the Action Network podcast. Are you going to place a bet or what? What's going on, everybody? It is a special week. It's a special day. Today we have your best bets episode for the 87th edition of the Masters Tournament teeing off this Thursday morning. I am Action Network senior golf writer Jason Sobel live from Augusta National Golf Club in Augusta, Georgia all week. Joining me today for a quick look at this year's tournament are two very special guests. First, we have Action's Director of Research, Evan Abrams, who will give us an overview of the event from a historical and a betting trends perspective. And we're also joined by Nick Brettwish, a golf expert and fellow co-host on Action Network's Golf Betting Podcast, Links and Locks. Boys, I am fired up for this week. I know you guys are too. Uh, Nick, we'll go to you first. Uh, what does it mean for you to be able to watch the Masters this week? Probably my favorite week of the year. I mean, you come off the March Madness, you get the finals tonight on Monday, and then take Thursday and Friday off of work to sit on the couch all day with the cut sweats. I absolutely love it. Obviously, Tiger's back too, has a shot shorter than 100 to 1. So um, I can't complain. I'm excited. Let's get it going. I know there's some sketchy weather coming in so i think even more viewing interest for everybody and that's certainly going to change the betting up a little bit here too so i'm i'm really excited uh, best week of the year evan if you disagree you have to get kicked off the podcast right now <laughs> now listen it's like the start of the ncaa tournament for golf it's the easiest way i can explain it. it it really starts kind of the entire season and you get to the majors it just this is it and it's beautiful and it's gorgeous and let's do it a hundred times better than March Madness, but i'll, I'll <laughs> okay. lay off the hook on that yeah. all right before we get to our favorite picks let's bring evan in for I'll look into some historical betting data about the Masters. And Evan, you're going to let us know which golfers are taking the most action so far this year from the perspective of the book. So uh, before we get into that, let's talk Tiger. Nick mentioned it. He is uh, in double digits, not as high as triple digits. Last year, made the cut after not playing in the Masters or playing anywhere for more than 500 days competitively coming into this one made the cut 78 78 on the weekend, but look, he's older. He's not able to practice as much, but he's also maybe a year healthier, maybe a year more removed from that near fatal car accident. I know you've got some great stats on tiger from over the years. What do you got, Evan? Yeah. So 80 to one, uh, walking into this tournament at the moment. Uh, and there's always a good chance. I say 80 to one now, by the time it closes, which I believe it did last year, it gets about 50 to one. He, he he tends to take a lot of money as we talked about, but 80 to one right now, which would be the, his highest listed odds ever at the masters and tie it for his highest in a major, which he was 80 to one at the 2022 PGA championship. So that's like from a gambling point of view in terms of where his odds sit at the moment. Uh, and obviously, I mean, we talk about this every year, but his infamous cut streak, right? I mean, that's really the only thing you talk about with Tiger and people kind of talk about the odds there. So, you know, 23 or 24, 96% best cut percentage. So that, that that's really the, uh, the stuff going into the week. I know we're going to get into some of our favorite bets, Nick. Uh, I like Tiger to make the cut. In fact, I'd go as far as a top 40 play this uh-huh. week. It is still uh, shorter than even money. Are you on the same side as me there? Absolutely. I I think, I mean, I like him a ton. I try to make my own odds and everything to find my value in the betting market. I got him listed at 71 to one. So a little shorter than what the market's at now, but I mean, there's not much of a sample size we have to look at in terms of current form, but what he did at Riviera, he was fantastic with the irons, especially the long iron play. 
which we're going to need certainly at a, at a what Augusta, but yeah, I'm all for it. A top 40 sounds great. I think just his memory of this course, his comfortability on the greens, he's finished at top 40. Absolutely. And I'm rooting on tiger all weekend long. Yeah. And look, I I'm down for a top 40. I've already said it. I will though, throw this out there. It's going to be a little warm and rainy. The first couple of days, I think it's cold and rainy on Saturday. If there's a day to fade tiger, it's probably Saturday. So uh, look, if there's not much of a difference, and it's 50 and ties that make the cut this week. Maybe you play Tiger for the made cut over the top 40 because things could fall apart when it's 51 degrees and raining on Saturday. I know my shoes are going to fall apart out here at Augusta. All right, Evan, I went back and I was looking at favorites over the last 10 years. You went way further back than I did, and you looked at the uh, performance of favorites here at Augusta since 1985. I don't even know where you found this data. I want to know your database at least. Where did you get this stuff? Sure. So let, let's just look at kind of the more recent because it's been an absolute roller coaster when you talk about the betting favorites. So the Masters favorite hasn't catched cashed the top twenty uh, last three since all three JT, Spieth, and Rory in twenty eighteen. So it's been a bad stretch recently. But if you go beyond that between twenty thirteen and twenty eighteen, every favorite and every co favorite cashed the top twenty. So to me, it's just kind of a noisy trend. It depends who's on top. It kind of depends like on the year itself. The thing that I found was interesting when I went back, and, and I think this is the one thing you look at, is what about favorites to actually win it? So the Masters betting favorite to win the tournament, literally Tiger. Tiger in 05, Tiger in 02, Tiger in 01, Tiger in 97, and then you had Fred Couples in 92, and that's it. So th- those are the only times, and it hasn't happened since 2005, where that person actually went out there and won the tournament. So we're going to see how it goes this year, Chase. Look, I never like chasing favorites. I'm not too far down the board this yeah. week, but – whether calling Scotty Scheffler the favorite or Rory McIlroy a co-favorite alongside of him, depending on the book this week, Nick, uh, are you buying in on a favorite here at Augusta this week? As of now, the shortest player I have in my outright card is Patrick Cantley at 25 to one. So I'm seeing him get steamed at some books. He's shorter than 20 to one right now. So no, in terms of like the Rory, Scotty and John Rahm, if you want to call them all pretty much the the co-favorite there, if I had to choose one, I think I would go with John Rahm. I'd prefer Rory gets the uh, the Grand Slam, but I just I don't love where his game's at, and I do like the price discount with John Rahm. But no, I'm not going to be betting any of the three co-favorites, if you want to call it that. I will have some Rahm. I have some Rahm already when um, before he started getting hot earlier this year. Five wins in his last 12 worldwide starts. He's never finished worse than 27th here. I, I might pay the Rahm money just to be here and watch Rory win the career slam, which I think would be really cool. But, man, Rom's uh, rom has got that that little chip on his shoulder. Uh, and I, I I would actually would not be surprised, guys, if those odds are posted to his rental house refrigerator this week, looking at the fact that Scotty and Rory have shorter odds than the guy who not long ago was number one in the world, not long ago was the guy that everybody was talking about. All right, Evan, tell us about some long shot winners. I know that. Uh, from the numbers I've seen, granted, these numbers fluctuate and depends on which book you're looking at every year. But Hideki was 60 to one a couple of years ago. Danny Willett, I golfodds.com has him in the archive as 50 to one. I think it got much shorter in the couple of days right beforehand. I know some people had longer numbers, uh, but really going back to Charles Schwartzel in 2011, we haven't really seen a quote unquote long shot win here. What have you found about long shots here at Augusta? 
Yeah. So last 40 years, there was a very, very fun window. If you liked betting long shots and you were betting between 2007 and 2011, you had yourself a field day. So between Schwartzel at 100 to 1 and 11, Zach Johnson at 125 to 1 and 07, Angel Cabrera at 125 in 2009, and Immelman, who's basically the leader at 150 to 1 in 2008. Uh, aside from that, it's a decky in 2021, uh, and everyone else has been a little bit short of that. Like you said, Willett was kind of a long shot, but came in at 50. The other, in terms of flipping it uh, and going back to the favorites for a second as well, since 2007, only one golfer has won the Masters at shorter to 10 to 1. So that would be uh, DJ in 2020 at 8 to 1. Yeah. So if you look at it from the longer point of view, who who do you guys kind of like there? Is there anyone that kind of sticks out? Yeah, Nick, who's on that card for you? I, I want to hear one Anybody of the long shot guys that you've got. <laughs> I took Tiger at 85 to <laughs> okay. 1. Okay. Oh, come on. on. <laughs> 80, 85 to 1 on FanDuel. Oh, that'll fit. Like a, yeah, like that. It was good value for me if I had him at 71 to 1. And then the other long shot I took, there's probably no chance in hell he actually wins, but I love where his iron play is at. I think it's the best stretch of his career in iron play. I'll talk about him a little later in some other markets, but Alex Noren at 340 to 1. Again, probably never happens. We're betting off better off going to the top 40, top 30, top 20 market. But I do like Noren. I have him at 210 to 1. So it was 130 points of value for me, which I don't think I've ever gotten in the betting market. So I, I just by default, I have to take that because if something happened and I didn't have that ticket, I'd never be on the show again. <laughs> Well, like now that you said it, there. I got to bet it too. So that, that <laughs> yeah, might as well. Yeah. We're all going to jump on Alex Noren. Then I look. I don't even know if I can call him a long shot based on those numbers you just gave. But sure. the longest I'll go is Shane Lowry at sixty to one this week. I I don't think, like we just mentioned, there haven't been a whole lot of long shots, especially in more recent years. I think what we've seen is without one true dominant player in the Tiger, it's parity across the board at the top where. You look at these guys and they're 20, 25, 30 guys where legitimately, if you told me that's my favorite play, I think he's going to win this week. You really can't argue it. There are that many good players out there. So I think it makes it harder for the guys further down the board to actually win this. I mean, if we're talking, you know, hey, I want to throw a couple bucks on a, you know, 250, 301 long shot. Why not? I'm never going to argue about that. But uh, probably the furthest down the board that I'll go is Shane Lowry. Three top 25s. Uh, his last three starts ever since he won the Open Championship. All right, I I am of the opinion, Evan, that experience no longer matters as much as it used to at Augusta National. These young players figure it out quicker. They do their homework more often. But I have a feeling you're going to tell me that I'm wrong about this. I mean, experience and going through history, you know, the statistics are going to tell you you're probably wrong. But listen, no Masters rookie has won it since Fuzzy Zeller. And you end up hearing that every year. He did it in 1979. But I think the other stat that kind of tells you a little bit more about experience, only three golfers since 1980 have won in their first two Masters starts. That's the 2016 Danny Willett, who, you know, between 80 to 1 and 50 to 1, depending on your ticket, uh, Spieth in 2015, and then Charles Schwartzel. So it tends to not happen. And then you kind of look at to the other side of the spectrum as we talk about like Rory, who's been here 15 whatever times and is still looking for it. So it tends to happen kind of, and I think you could back this up in that middle zone, somewhere where you have a little bit of experience, but it hasn't been, you know, two decades. 
Yeah, I tend to agree with that. At some point, especially with a very good player who keeps coming here year after year, like a Rory McIlroy, that scar tissue starts to develop. Look, we all thought Greg Norman was going to win a Masters at some point. Never happened. We all thought it was inevitable that Ernie Els would win a Masters at some point. That never happened. Nick, uh, will you cross somebody off your list this week just because they're only in their second or third time playing this golf tournament? Yeah, it's. I think the trendy name, too, that kind of fits that narrative right now, especially taking Webb's caddy is Cameron Young. You're starting to see his the steam come to him in the market. He's shorter than 30 to 1 at some books. I think he'd be a fade for me, but overall, just in general, if they don't have uh, – I'm kind of like on both sides because then you see Kevin Na. He's like a walking top 15 here, and it makes no sense. He's really not that good of a long iron player. He's certainly not long off the tee. I'll be fading Kevin Na. But, yeah, just for – the the steam that's coming on Cameron Young, I'm gonna fade that just because we haven't seen it. It was a miscut last year, but other than you know Jordy and, and Swartzel and Danny Willett, you just don't see it often. My numbers do think that it's a much more of a predictable course. Those that play well here often should play well here, especially guys in good form. So yeah, I'll probably be staying away from the debutants in any market and likely picking on them in matchups if I can. All right, Evan, I'm prepared to lose a whole boatload, but I'm going to just throw it on the expense report on Thursday for first-round leader bets because Justin Rose, I, I know everyone talked about Charlie Hoffman being a Thursday superstar at Augusta National. Justin Rose has held or shared a first-round lead four different times in his career, but we all know first-round leads are important here at Augusta because there are so many players who – even if they don't win, go on to contend for three more days. Tell us a little bit more about what you found as far as Thursday scores leading to Sunday results. Yeah, this is everybody's favorite stat that you're going to see Thursday night. But in 2005, Tiger was tied for 33rd and at the end of round one. Since then, all 17 winners have been T11 at the end of round one or better. Uh, Tiger in 2019 was T11. So if you take out even Tiger there all T10 since 2005. So that's just really how important that like top bunch ends up being at this event. And then since 99, 23 of 24 eventual winners were T15 at the end of round one. So it's really just telling you that that early slate, and I'm a guy who likes long shots, maybe likes to take a shot, even second, third round. It, It just doesn't seem to be there at this event. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there. Like I said, I'll play some first round leaders. Nick, how will that affect your strategy going into round two? Will you add to the card? And it's kind of, it's sort of a catch 22 because yeah, sure. We want to add to the card, but you're not really adding value to the card. You're adding guys who are already up there on the leaderboard to the card. So you're not getting that value. Yeah, I think if anything, this is where I'm probably going to bite the bullet and take John Rahm. As much as I don't like the number at 10 to 1 pretty much exclusively in the outright market, 16 to 1 for him to be the round one leader. And I kind of like what you both said about the motivation that those betting odds may be just sitting on the fridge. Like he's thinking Rory and Scotty aren't better than I am. Maybe he comes out firing at 16 to 1 the one day that it should be pretty nice weather. Um, I'll go John Rahm 16 to one just because I can't really get there in the outright market at 10 to one. And then John Rahm is just going to be someone I'm looking at live. Yeah. Let's talk about one of the other try favorites, if you will, just because they're all up there depending on the book. But uh, Evan, I'm telling you, Rory McIlroy has done everything. I've talked to him about it over the years. He's tried to make this mean everything where he comes in early. He practices hard. He's tried to make it mean nothing where he try almost tries to trick himself into believing that ah, it's just another event. It's no big deal. He's practiced a lot. He's played the week before. He's taken off for a few weeks. I don't know what else he can try other than just, I don't know, go out and play better golf. I know you've found some stuff 
on Rory and what it would mean for him historically to win this golf tournament. Listen, I just don't, I can't understand it. At this point, it almost feels like the mental game. Cause like you said, he's literally tried everything and, and, and we continue every year to be, make it the storyline because it is, but again, he's going for the career grand slam, Jack tiger, Hogan player, you know, all, all these people that put it together. He's been waiting for this to get on the list. And then listen, he's playing his 15th masters. As we talked about before, in terms of experience, only two play, uh, players have won the Masters, their first Masters, in their 15th starter later. Marco Mira, Sergio Garcia. That's it. So, you know, being in middle zone, that, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth, once you get to this type of level and you haven't won it, very difficult. I, I always look to fade him, and I, I'm going to do it again. And, and I, if I'm close to Ram uh, and his team, I make sure that uh, he gets a little look at those odds at the top because that that is some good motivation. And I think something's always going to go wrong with Rory. Just always does. His manager's name is Jeff. Since I'm on Rob this go. week, I can certainly slip him <laughs> that odds ticket. I, Nick, I want to ask you, and I don't know the answer to this, but because Rory, first of all, is such a beloved figure, a lot of people like rooting for him. Secondly, a lot of people want him to get the career slam. Does the public money veer towards Rory a little bit more just because hey, he's a good guy. He did all this stuff for the PGA Tour last year, and man, it would be really cool to see him finally get a green jacket almost the type of public money where it's not smart money. It's not sharp money. It's just, Hey, I want to have a ticket on Rory just because I want to root for him. It's not big money, but you add up a whole lot of small money and it can become big money after a while. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think the public's hammering Rory, just watching his odds just kind of shrink throughout the day. I mean, I saw him open at nine to one at a couple books. Now he's down sub seven. Like, that's insane. I, I think to the everyday better, it's just they, they're betting with what their heart wants to see on Sunday. And I'm not going to judge that. I think if that's the way that you enjoy, you know, legalized sports betting, I think that's awesome. It gets you in the game. But I I can't see any value in betting on them. But I, I do understand the, the trends that Evan was talking about. But I do want Rory to win. I do want to find a way to back him. I'm just not sure in what market I could do it. But his swing speed's the highest it is in his life. So as much as he has played the Masters, he's still young. He's still you know, insanely fit. I think that his game is still yet to see a peak. I hope Rory gets it done. But yeah, in terms of betting, there's just no value for me. But for the public Joes out there that just want to bet what they want to see happen, I respect that. I think that's pretty fun. But it is opening up the rest of the board for us, um, for guys that are looking for some value here. Yeah, that's a great point. It does open up that board. I, DFS, I've got him a little bit there. It's a, a small investment, but really on the betting markets, can't find anything I like. All right, last thing I want to get to, uh, it's been... 25 years where uh, we essentially asked the question, what would it take to get Tiger Woods to not be the biggest story at a Masters tournament? Well, apparently it takes full disruption in the world of professional golf for Greg Norman to steal a whole bunch of players. We've got 18 live golfers this week. There's only 88 players in the field. Well, simple math. Evan, I can do math too. That's more than 20% of the field this week that are live <laughs> players. I think it's inevitable. If you're sitting at home saying, you know what? These live guys, they're only playing 54 holes. They've only played three events this year. They're not going to show up. It's inevitable that at least a few of these guys are going to be on the leaderboard come this weekend. Uh, what kind of uh, interest has there been in some of these live players so far and and which ones? Yeah, so interest is actually a good way of putting it because this is kind of the lone stat you need to hear. Of the top 25 most bet golfers, only four are from Liv. Cam Smith, Brooks Kepka, DJ, and Phil. And as you'll hear in a second, Phil is getting a lot of money, a lot of interest. 
it's not it's not a shock though because it just listen half the from Phil most (laughs) no comment but most of this game is just the name that is I mean honestly most people just walk up to the window and they see Mickelson and especially not only do they see Mickelson they see Woods as well and they see the odds 80 to 100 to 1 so right now and other than Phil it's Brooks by far the biggest interest. He's got top fives, top tens coming off a win on the, you know, the live as well, live tour. So I, I think people are really in on those two. All right, Nick, I'm skipping over the whole Phil thing because we're not even talking about that. Please. Yeah. That. <laughs> um, uh, look, I, Brooks is, that's uh, a little interesting, although I live about five minutes down the road from Orange County National where Liv played its event this past weekend. I can tell you definitively, there's absolutely nothing about that golf course that resembles anything about this golf course. So let's not go too overboard. Cam Smith did not sound very confident in his own abilities when he was in the interview room just a few hours ago. And so you start looking at other places. Dustin Johnson's played well. I'm a little interested in some markets in Taylor Gooch, Abraham Answer, maybe Mito Pereira. Nick, the one guy, though, that I'm really looking at, and I might wind up having an outright on him, but I think there is value because, like Evan said, they are not drawing much interest, these live players. It's the guy who embodies everything that live is about. Hey, we're the bad guys. We're the villains. We're going to wear the black hat. Cool. Patrick Reed would love all that. He's going to eat it up. He absolutely, the 2018 champion, is going to embrace being the bad guy out here this week. And I think that's what he's all about. So I actually like him better than anybody else. I think it's, it's an okay outright number. Do I think he's going to win? No. Do I really want to bet him outright? Not really, but I think the top 10 market for Patrick Reed is very, very interesting to me, Nick. Yeah. I actually like Patrick Reed a lot. His long iron play is something that's always been solid for his career. And he obviously knows this course can putt with the best of them. But uh, you mentioned Taylor Gooch. I think that's my favorite guy. When I was going through the placement market here, I saw Taylor Gooch at plus 190 in the top 30 market. That's okay. longer than guys like Tom Hoagie, Kurt Kitayama, Ryan Fox, Taylor Moore. Like sure. Some of these guys have had, you know, decent years, but Taylor Gooch did finish, uh, I think T14 last year as a debutante. So kind of going against the, uh, the metrics there, but I don't think Taylor Gooch is a fine young player. Every part about his game is a plus that fits Augusta here. Long iron plays awesome. Short game's good. Can make putts. So I'll ride the the course history, the one day a year sample size with Taylor Gooch. And then uh, Patrick Reed was another guy that I did like, so I'm glad you talked about him. And yeah, <laughs> Phil Mickelson, I think it's pretty much the, the reverse Rory that we just talked about. It's just the name brand and that's it. So I don't need to talk about him at all. And then DJ, I feel like his nonchalant attitude and like he doesn't really care what people think about him. Obviously owns this course, does fantastic at Augusta, a previous winner as well. I like the wet conditions for DJ. I think this is a really good spot for him as well. A uh, couple things. First of all, Taylor Gooch, 16th or better in all three live starts so far this year. That's in the top third of the field. Look, they're still playing competitive golf out there. Uh, I do think he's got some value. He, by the way, ranks 14th in greens and regulation on live this season. I've got a piece coming out very shortly. It'll be on actionnetwork.com. You can find it on the Action app where I'm breaking down by the stats, best bets for live players. Just in case you haven't been watching that tour this year, there are indeed some guys who are playing some decent golf out there. Also, some guys who are playing pretty bad. You got to be able to separate them going into this one. Speaking of betting interest, Evan, you've spoken with a few sportsbook operators about the betting activity this week. What can you tell us? 
So this isn't a shock to anyone. They really can't have Scheffler win this. Like he is the top handle tickets at most of these books and he's really at the top. And I think when you move past that, it's Spieth and Rom, and then it's a Brook and then it's a group with Rory Brooks and Cam Smith. Uh, so in terms of like tickets and handle kind of all together, those are the top golfers. And in terms of liability, I actually think this is kind of interesting. One golfer that's top is Sahith Tigala. Uh, as mentioned, he's, you know, really 100 to 1 or longer and getting a lot of looks. And of course, it's Spieth. So in terms of handle and tickets, those are really and really the golfers that can't win for some of these books. That's kind of who you're looking at. Look, I. I'm not going to be on Scotty Scheffler in, in any markets, but I will throw this out that if you like Scotty Scheffler, he has defended three titles so far this year. He successfully defended the WM Phoenix open one that week, finished in fourth place at the Arnold Palmer invitational fourth place at the match play a few weeks ago. He is proving himself to be a horse horse and shows up at the same spots every single year. What about the long shots, Evan? Are there some popular long shot bets out there from the public? Yeah, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to do this again. And I can't believe I'm going to do it again. But the answer is the golfer who longer than 100 to 1 with the most bets is Phil. Uh, he's 25th in overall in tickets. Uh, and again, going to another golfer, 120 with the most handle, Sahith Tagala again. I, I think everyone likes to see the name. They've seen him in recent tournaments. He's been in good form. So but those are both your guys. And Phil, I'm just going to shrug. I, I don't know what to say. Can I get Thigala in a matchup against Phil and put my entire life savings <laughs> on it, please? I mean, really? Come on. What are we doing here? All right. Uh, how about least popular bets? Is there something that's just like nobody's taking something that's dropping like a stone? Yeah, so this is probably the part of the podcast you've been waiting for because these are probably the guys you might want to bet. Uh, Min Mu Lee, 66 to 1, 42nd in tickets, despite 25th in odds. Uh, and the golf shorter than 100 to 1 with the least number of bets, Joaquin Neiman. 55 to one. Wow. So he's in that group with Mino Pereira for uh top South African, I believe. And uh, so we'll see, but just no love. Interesting. Mito's actually playing a little bit better than Joaquin right now. I kind of like him uh, there, but I, I don't know. It seems like there's maybe some value on Joaquin again, uh, maybe value on the live guys across the board. All right, Nick, you and I each have three best bets here. I'll let you go first. We're gonna go back and forth. What do you got? All first? right. Quick, uh, quick warning. None of these guys are American. I didn't do that on purpose. I don't know how that happens, but um, we're going to go with Tyrrell Hatton. Top 20 is plus 190 on FanDuel. I'm taking a little bit of a discount. He's a 17th ranked golfer in the world. Obviously let down a lot of people last week as the stone cold favorite at Valero misses the cut. But prior to the WGC, he's had two of the best back-to-back -back iron rounds of his or iron tournaments of his career since I believe 2019. Um, he's shown the ability to score at Augusta. I believe he finished inside the top 20 in 2021. Comes into this year, this year's event as a uh, significantly better ball striker on the iron plays for for my numbers here. His GIR percentage from 150 to 175 and 200 plus is fantastic and that's where my numbers calculate over 32 percent of the shots should come from so i like hatton to come back to form his short games there we know he's one of the best putters on the planet i like tyrell hatton top 20 also really bad form to get frustrated at this place and give augusta national the one digit salute so uh maybe hatton <laughs> holds in those frustrations maybe it helps him play a little better all right my first best bet i cannot believe we've gotten this far into the pod without mentioning this name yet but I love Sunjay M this week. I feel like he's been building up to something really good. And over the last three years, he's got a runner-up finish and an eighth-place finish. I've said for a while, Nick, that 
I don't think, first of all, the markets are reflecting how good Sanjay is. I don't think the public understands how good he is. I put him on the same level as, quite frankly, a, a Xander Shoffley and close to a Colin Morikawa, certainly there with a Victor Hovland, maybe Will Zalatoris. I get it. Those are all bigger names. They've all, other than Zalatoris, won more often than Sanjay M, but I'm telling you, he's going to win a few more tournaments over the next year, and he's going to be priced like some of those other guys. I'm taking him for a top 10 this week. Plus 300 is a really good number, I think. Yeah, I love that. I thought that uh, I was hoping Evan brought his name up in terms of just people that are being completely ignored in the outright space. If he can get to 45 to 50 to one range, I, that'll certainly be a guy that I jump on. He's got excellent course history here. Long irons are fantastic. Everything about his game is perfect for Augusta. So I'm all over that ticket. I like that a ton. What you going with for your second best bet? All right. Next one's pretty simple. I'm going to pick on a debutante. I mentioned that earlier. I am going to go with Siwoo Kim over Mito Pereira. It is minus 108 on FanDuel. So Siwoo is a slight dog there. I know Mito's game's been pretty solid. I don't watch much live, if at all. Um, the data I got for Mito's long iron play is fantastic. So it's not that I just don't like him. It's more that I trust Siwoo. He's been a walking top 40 here every single time that he's gone out there, even finished around without a putter. If you remember him putting with a three wood, I think, because <laughs> he broke his putter. But um, as long as he can stay in there, his his form's in a really good spot. His putting's actually been, um, this is one of his best years putting on the PGA Tour. So I think, if anything, we should get a better Siwoo than we've seen before at Augusta. And again, I'm just going to pick on a debutante of Mito Pereira. For those listening who don't often bet golf and aren't paying attention on a weekly basis and sort of parachute in for the major championships, I think you might think of Siwoo Kim as the guy, well, he's got that super high ceiling, but really low floor. It's either really good or it's more often than not, it's really bad. If you look at Siwoo over the past year and a half, two years, it's actually completely changed around to where the ceiling's still pretty high, but he's got a higher floor now. He has played much more consistent golf. And there's reason to believe he will do so once again this week. All right, my second best bet. Uh, look, still no Americans here. I'm going with Shane Lowry for a top 20 at plus 180. As I mentioned, this is a guy who uh, has played very well here ever since winning the Open Championship a few years ago. It feels like there's this line of demarcation where all of a sudden he became a major champion and you can just see the confidence exuding in him. Remember, guys, there are only 88 players in this week's field. So a top 20 bet this week, you've only got to beat, what, 22 23% of the field as opposed to a top 20 bet when there are 156 players in a field like we'll have next month at the PGA Championship. So I think there's a lot more value in some of these props than are reflected in the numbers. All right, uh, Nick, your third best bet. All right, so I'm going back to Alex Noren because I'm sure we're not going to get a 340 to one outright ticket. But Noren is playing the best iron from my data collected and the expected data for Augusta. It's saying that this is the best iron play streak of his career, and he's 40 years old, so that was pretty mind-boggling to see. Um, obviously, love the short game, love the putting as well with him. I had the number in the top 20 priced at four to one. You can get five to one on FanDuel. And then in the top 40 market, you can get 125. I have him priced at minus 105 there in the top 40 market. But yeah, um, if this iron plays for real, I'm going to ride it. And I know his short game can keep him around inside the top 20 at Augusta. Yeah, I like that idea a lot there. All right, my last one. One of my favorite names in all of golf and an emerging superstar. I'm telling you, if you don't know this name yet, Remember it, get to know it. Gordon Sargent is the number one ranked amateur in the world. 
He didn't even qualify for this event. He won the NCAA championship title as a freshman last year at Vanderbilt, was given a special exemption in luck. I, I'm pretty sure the folks here at Augusta are going to start giving an exemption to the NCAA champion every year. Well, they sort of started this year. He is on the board for top amateur at plus 210. I would hammer that number. He is by and far, far and, uh, and wide the, the best amateur in this field. And I don't think it's going to be close. In fact, I could see Sargent finishing somewhere in the top 20, maybe top 30 this week. I just think he is that good. Well, uh, this has been a blast going over everything from Augusta this week. I cannot wait for this tournament to start. You can check out all of our content at actionnetwork.com and the Action app for Nick Brettwish, for Evan Abrams. That'll do it for this episode of the Action Network podcast. Presented by FanDuel for even more golf betting coverage for the Masters. Be sure to check out the Links and Locks podcast where we cover every tournament all year long. Thanks for listening, everybody. Good luck with all your bets. Here's hoping you hit the green. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, Help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.